Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I didn't even have any Novocaine injected into me this time, and I can't talk. I'm the president of Westminster Effects. I'm Cody Fields. Buy stuff for your guitar, WestminsterEffects.com. Join the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast group. Maybe buy me some speech therapy lessons. I don't know. Share the show. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, joining me in person, we have... Hey, everybody. It's Bradley Cox, pastor of Resurrection Church, Greer, South Carolina. And we're not joined by one Lutheran John from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, but we're also short on time. We just had an entire podcast worth of conversation before we hit record and we're eating up our time. Shall we jump into it? Shall we? Let's do it. The Hillsong documentary. So Hillsong, a mega church exposed on Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the first episode last night. I know you've watched at least one. Have you watched any of the others yet? I've watched one and a portion of the other. I actually fell asleep in the second one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you went full old man. I'm huh? such an old man. <laughs> but yeah, I've watched uh, an episode and a half. Okay. Um. Your thoughts so far? Uh, it, it's it's interesting. Um, my thoughts. I have lots. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe let's start with um, this is nothing new. Yep. It's not it it's not surprising. Yep. Um, I, I don't think that. Anyone who's really been paying attention uh, to in, in the last, what, 10 years, At 20 least. years, yeah. w- should be surprised. Yeah, this, this, is, this is all old information. Yeah. I mean, all we, of it. We, 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 we've talked on this podcast before about prominent leaders at um, Hillsong Church and, and on the worship team specifically that have renounced faith. Uh, walked away. Uh, there's been criticisms about Brian Houston for years, mm-hmm. and and uh, good criticisms of his teaching. Like, yeah, absolutely. Because there's no way around it. Like even though with Hillsong you see, and you mentioned this in your sermon Sunday, there is a lot of really good music that comes out of Hillsong. A lot of really good music, uh, like outright Trinitarian confession, not not confessional, but creedal, mm. like really good stuff. And obviously, there's some turds mixed in there um you can't get around that uh somehow they've written that with brian houston preaching (laughs) because what like he's a prosperity preacher he's right up there with osteen yeah absolutely i mean in fact the documentary bears that out that he came to the united states and was highly influenced by right the word of faith pentecostal prosperity movement that was just blowing up and i guess this would have been I don't know, sometime in the 80s, maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that he came in contact with that and came in contact with, you know, um, television ministry, stuff that was going mainstream yep. here in the States with the likes of Robert Tilton, Jimmy Swaggart, mm-hmm. um, you know, PTL, all that kind of stuff, uh, Jim Baker. He got 
that was highly influential to him. And he took that back to Australia with the specific vision to become a global church. It reminds me of uh, our boy Dwayne with the Bar podcast, um, with, with his story when he first got saved. And he ended up being recognized as an apostle in the NAR. Uh, where he first got saved, and he's a big sports fan. He's like, well, all the best athletes are on television, so I'll just go to TV and listen to those people because the best preachers must be on TV. Yeah, like it's it's that's a really easy thing to fall into. Very very easy, and uh, you know it it to me it what what it's highlighting is the dangers, the pitfalls, the traps, the snares of being so focused on numerical growth. Yep clicks uh by by clicks i mean clicks online um and how much money you're bringing in i mean that that is a drug that is a that is a temptation that i think comes with enormous pitfalls and, and snares right and and we've just come through i'm sure a lot of us have listened to the mars hill podcast where the same kind of narrative plays out right just with a different theology yeah, and and Mark Driscoll began with sound theology, and I loved his teaching. I was mm-hmm. highly impacted by his teaching. And I was too. I think I think he, I think he did the body of Christ a lot of good in those early years, and then of course he too succumbs to the pitfalls and snares of becoming a celebrity pastor and mm-hmm. widely known and highly influential. Um, you know, there's a reason why the Bible talks that about pride being so deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how much of a snare it can be. So I think that that's part of it is that it shouldn't surprise us. I think the other part is that, um, you know, to hear these people that were interviewed that had attended uh, one Hillsong campus or another for quite some time and vocalized in these interviews that they don't really believe in Jesus. Yeah. That they don't, and they never did. <laughs> They were just caught up in the hype. Yeah. That to me is scary. It was the cool thing to do and they did it. Yes. Yeah. You know, my um, my mentor, Pastor Brian Onkin, told me about this article he read a few years ago about atheist megachurches popping up all over in Europe. Mm. And then Tim Hawkins, a Christian comedian, uh, has a bit about atheist megachurches in in his, you know, comedic um, repertoire and my son loves Tim Hawkins mm-hmm. and he's listened to that and he asked me just recently what is an atheist megachurch he's like does that really exist daddy and I was like yes it does and he said what did they do and I said well son they come together and they sing inspirational songs and somebody stands up and gives an inspirational talk that is completely void of focus on the Lord Jesus and Yet people are flocking to this. Yep. Why? Yep. Because we love to be told how good we are. We love to be told how awesome we are. So, so one thought that I've had, and I actually had it first uh, regarding Major League Baseball a few weeks ago. Hmm. Um, but go back to our episode with Mark Dewey. Culture is downstream ultimately from the church. Yes. Right. So what the church does is what the culture ends up doing down mm-hmm. the road, yep. where you have Major League Baseball trying to capture the youth. They want yep. to appeal to the youth mm-hmm. as opposed to just straight up. And, and obviously, the game needs tweaks every now and then. We mm-hmm. can acknowledge that. Um, but 
it's get the youth, appeal to the youth, instead of pass this game down to the youth, mm. right? Mm-hmm. The whole hustle out of the batter's box, uh, slide in hard at second to break up a double play, don't, you know, kill anybody or anything. Uh, you know, you, you hustle all the time, you play the game the right way, you don't show up your opponents. Uh, but now it's, no, we need more boisterous celebrations for what that's worth. Some of that's good. Uh, not all of it's bad. But that's downstream from the church. The church has been doing that for 30 years before Major League Baseball thought to do it. Yeah. And we're seeing the consequences of that hmm. with with whether it's Major League Baseball trotting out, and I'm a, I'm a sports uniform nerd, and mm-hmm. trotting out these ridiculous one-off uniforms, yeah. like with the Washington Nationals and their cherry blossoms or yeah. whatever. Uh, but you see that first with things like Hillsong, Come be in the cool thing. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll have music, and obviously the music is uh, the genre of music. I think is immaterial. Mm. It's it's just a consequence, right? But we'll have cool music, as is defined right now. <laughs> uh, we're not going to push you too hard, and we're going to appeal to your sensibilities mm. instead of. Here's this confession. Here's this creed. This is what we believe. Yep. There are different ways that we can express that, but this is what we believe. Right. Deal with it. Right. Kind of thing. Right, right. And we really are seeing the consequences of that. And uh, I don't know if you saw, you you don't spend nearly as much time on Facebook as you used to. I shared a meme of uh, Christians rebelling uh, in the 90s. Christian kids rebelling in the 90s, and it was like, I'm going to go play electric guitar in a church where I can wear shorts, Uh (laughs) and and Christians rebelling now is is the kids of that guy (laughs) Uh saying, no, I'm going to a traditional church, and by the way, Toby Mac is really cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about the cool thing and everybody's doing the cool thing, um, you know, the Bible's clear, you know, or Jesus himself said, um, you know, be wary when all men speak well of you. Woe when all speak. Um, and Carl Lentz is there posting selfies with Oprah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, in Acts chapter 5, I was just looking up the the reference here. Um I think most of us would know about the story of Ananias and Sapphira, mm-hmm. right? So there, Luke tells us in Acts that you know the the believers, the church, they were they were selling their possessions and lands and distributing the proceeds to any who had need. And what's going on there, I think, is that when th- there was this pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And so all these Jews and converts to Judaism are in Jerusalem for the feast. They've traveled to be there. This is not where they live. You know, they're they're on a trip, and they've probably prepared to be in Jerusalem for the prescribed time of the feast. Not beyond that. Well, the spirits poured out. Thousands are saved. Peter and John heal a lame man in the temple. Thousands more are saved. What's happening? Well, there's a lot of people that don't live in Jerusalem that are hanging out in Jerusalem because now they're part of something. They're part of this new movement of Christ followers, and so they're distributing proceeds. Well, Ananias and Sapphira want to 
join in on that, I suppose. So they sell a piece of land, only give a portion of the money, lie and say they gave it all, and then they end up dying. Yep. Uh, God kills them. <laughs> Both a fantastic and a terrifying story. It's it's terif- It is terrifying. Yeah. But think about the contrast there. Yeah. This growing movement where lots of people are jumping in and becoming a part of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the documentary, they talk about the lines down the sidewalk in New York City to get in to Hillsong, New York's campus for one of the services. There, There's this growing population of people. But yep. then Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So that stuff's happening. Yeah. We're not just talking about hype music and, and really mm-hmm. awesome lighting and smoke machines and productions and a celebrity pastor up there who looks cool and wears all the cool clothes and the $13,000 Louis Vuitton hoodies. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're talking about, stuff's really happening right right? and this is this is almost paralleling john of jesus did a ton more stuff i just can't fit it all right here exactly paper is expensive exactly (laughs) and they were all together in solemn's portico and then verse 13 none of the rest dared join them but the people held them in high esteem that is a fascinating statement Mm, yeah 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 they what what what's the sense some, at least for the people on the outside, quote unquote, there's a sense that something's happening. Yeah. Something real is happening here. And this is amazing. They're holding them in high esteem. But here's what they also realize the stakes are high. Yeah. The, the, there's, the, I think, the apostles' teaching, coupled with the signs and wonders, coupled with this event with Ananias and Sapphira gave people a holy sense of reverence and awe that, yes, for those in the church, they felt that, but also those outside the church go, this is not something to t- treat lightly or to, to, to flippantly join. Mm-hmm. We need to be careful. Yeah. Where, I, th- that, to me, flies in the face. I'm, I hope I'm not taking this text and pushing it too far to say this. That flies in the face of the modern attractional model, seeker-sensitive church ethos that we need to make this as appealing as possible. Yep. We need we need to make the on ramp as accessible as possible. I'm not saying that there there isn't merit into certainly a church should be welcoming. Mm-hmm. I expect our staff and our volunteers. And leaders to do things with excellence, yep. to be welcoming, yep. to be hospitable to outsiders who may join us. I expect that, and 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 I think we do that here at Res. But that doesn't mean that we water things down to the point that it just seems like everybody, yep, can and should be a part of this. It, I mean, you 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 think about this statement that gets thrown around in a lot of church circles now where people put this on their website. It's one of their core values. Um, you can belong before you believe. Right. No, 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 no. No, you don't. No, you don't belong before you believe. You believe, and then you belong, and believing is more than simply, I think Jesus is impressive. Yep. 
believing means wholly given over to this Jesus. And I think we can make room for people to make that journey from sure, no yeah. affection for Jesus to being impressed with Jesus to being wholly given over to Jesus and then celebrate their belonging. Right. But I think we have to be willing to, you know, re- we have to realize Jesus said, wide is the road, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Oh, it's yeah. a narrow path, it's a narrow gate that leads to life. Right. And, and it kind of, that parlays really well into the influence section of that first episode particularly is they want to be so influential in all of these areas and whatever. And so what they end up doing is watering things down, posting selfies with Kevin Durant and Justin yeah. Bieber and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's not how, wicked in and of itself. It's, it's how they're trying to go about doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't mentioned being post-millennial in like three weeks, so I'm eschatologically constipated right now. <laughs> uh, but that's, hilarious. I, I, that's probably the first time that phrase has ed- ever been uttered in human ever, existence. Ever. <laughs> so I'm kind of proud of myself for that one, actually. But uh, <laughs> but but the post mill mindset is grassroots. It's bottom up, mm-hmm. right? It's it's families doing normal things, right? Yep. yep. You, we can we can you know it's families converting their kids, people converting their coworkers, and it and it organically grows and spreads until mm. it fills the world yep. where what Hillsong does. And it's, there's been some allegations that Hillsong has been more involved with the new apostolic reformation than they want to lead on to is they believe you take over, yep. you know, f- top down, uh-huh. you know, let me, let me get into the business world and I'll, uh, I'll pull an Elon Musk and start buying up Twitter stock. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and I'll influence it that way as opposed to just being like, and here's hey, the pro- what's up with this? Here's you the know, problem okay. with that ultimately. You know, it was Charles Finney that said, if revival is going to happen, it's up to us. Right. And that notion promotes the top-down strategy as opposed to the bottom-up yep. is that it's, it's up to me. I've got to make it happen. I've got to manufacture hype and momentum and revival in order f- for the kingdom to advance. And I think that's just counter to what the New Testament Absolutely. laws. It, it, it's, you know, um, Jesus talked about mustard seeds. You know, he talked about unto the least of these. And, you know, I I had a pastor, I met a pastor um, last week, first time I'd ever met this guy, and he's pastoring, you know, in a neighboring town. And exchanging pleasantries and talking about various things. And at one point, he asked me, uh, what's been your most effective outreach program? Now, I don't know what was in that guy's mind. And I did not, I did not engage the conversation very far because that would have gone down a road we didn't have time. Um, <laughs> well, let me tell you about these five points <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> called yeah. Calvinism. When... when <laughs> What, here's what I've found is that a lot of pastors and church leaders, when they talk about outreach, quote unquote, they're not talking about evangelism and, and kingdom expansion directly. Mm, yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. talking about is what I would put in the categories of charitable deeds, uh, marketing, and community involvement. Right. Those overlap in some levels, but th- that's typically what people t- think about when they talk about outreach is that we're we're doing things to meet the needs of those outside the church. 
and we are doing that, you know, like showing up at a local event and passing out water bottles with your church logo on it. Mm-hmm. People call that outreach. Mm-hmm. And there's and nothing wrong in and of nothing itself. Nothing at all wrong with that. But I don't think that that's what that guy was asking me about, was what are the things you're doing to, A, be charitable, B, market your church, C, have good community relations? I don't think that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that might be what he's thinking about, but I think what he intends is advancing the kingdom. Does that make sense? It's it's like a it's almost cognitive dissonance. Is it, it, a- asking the question and meaning one thing while thinking about something entirely exactly. different. Exactly. It yeah. is cognitive dissonance because my if if I were to answer the question from the standpoint of evangelism and kingdom expansion, Here's what my answer would be. And I didn't say this to him because it would have taken too long to unpack. Yeah. My most effective outreach strategy or program, air quotes, is I preach the word to believers every Sunday. And we have trained, equipped, spirit-filled small group leaders who lead disciples of Jesus in the word and in prayer every week to equip them for the work of the ministry in their spheres of influence, their neighborhoods, their schools, their businesses, their families, their homes, discipling their children, converting their children. That is our most effective strategy Mm -hmm. is that we think well about the church gathered so that the church thinks well about the church scattered. Yeah. It's, it's the, it comes down to the ordinary means of grace. Right? Exactly. And I think that that just gets lost. And, and, and I don't necessarily think that lends itself. If, you, if that's how you think about the mission, which it's, it's how Rez thinks about it, and I know there are lots of other churches that do mm-hmm. as well, I don't know that that translates into rapid growth and a broad, a really broad sphere of influence in media, mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. It might. It might, but it doesn't necessarily do that because we're not thinking about all the trappings and bells and whistles that tend to be very attractive yep. to the masses. We're thinking more about how do we equip the saints for the work of the ministry and I think that's a little bit more of a slow burn. I've, I've said this before. I heard John MacArthur say this years ago. He said, I've always thought if I concentrate on the depth of my ministry, God will take care of the breadth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So one last question before we jump into a quick inquisition. Okay. Is this the logical conclusion, what we're seeing out of Hillsong with this documentary, with the seeker-sensitive kind of thing. Is this the logical conclusion to Pentecostalism? Like, is is this where Pentecostalism necessarily leads? Um, and define, what, what do you mean by Pentecostalism? In, in terms of everything has to be flashy so we can get as many people because they are rooting their thoughts in Finney, Right, the the revival is up to us, mm. right? And so, I can you trace a straight line or a relatively straight line from Azusa Street to what's going on in this documentary? Uh, 
Maybe, but I don't think that's the only. It's strength. not the only. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't peg classical Pentecostal theology, which grew out of Azusa yeah, Street, which is only a hundred years old. It grew out of Azusa Street. It is hugely problematic for a variety of reasons, not the least of which, perhaps, is that it tends toward the kind of thinking that Charles Finney lauded and I think was also uh, a huge part of the Southern Baptist movement in a lot of ways. I mean, you've got... In, the in ba- terms of the traditionalism, provisionism kind of thing. Well, yeah, but the Baptist 2.0 movement that really started with the likes of Rick Warren and Bill Hybels. Yeah. Right? right. So that attractional model yep. kind of church is is not just... It's not exclusive to Pentecostalism, but I yep. do think Pentecostal theology could make way for that because mm-hmm. Pentecostal theology is is steeped in Arminianism. Yep. Uh, it's steeped in Wesleyan Methodism. Um, it, it those are its roots. That's mm-hmm. that's where Azusa Street came out of right. that. It, it's it's so interesting that you can you can draw a straight line from Anglicanism to Methodism to Pentecostalism. That blows my mind how those jumps got made. Yeah. It 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 it, it, it is mind boggling, but I think that you know, it's it's fascinating to me that Martin Luther. Well, let's just go back. Let's go back. Let's go way back. Martin Luther was was asked, challenged to have a believers only church, mm-hmm. because the thinking was at the at at the the genesis of the Reformation. Believers need to be discipled and equipped for the work of the ministry, and it it's hard. It's really hard to speak to an unbeliever in a in in a setting where the church is gathered, and also bring believers along to the point that they're equipped to reach unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther rejected that notion because he he just did not see. I mean, this was not. Uh, 21st century Bible belt, you know, kind of thing where you've got a church on every corner. He just didn't know where the unbelievers could go if it was a believers only church. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's why, you know, when we think about church as, as reformed thinking, you know, believers, um, we don't, we don't gear it's 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 again cognitive dissidence to 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 say we're going to gear a worship service air quotes around an unbeliever that doesn't make sense right um but we we can be mindful of the unbeliever among us which i think paul does laud in 1 corinthians 14 yep uh we can be mindful of them without watering it down and and just simply trying to make it attractive Mm-hmm. To them, because I do think that makes too much room for all the kind, all all the sorts of, of of mess and tragedy that have come out of churches like Hillsong, like Mars Hill, like Willow Creek. Um, I hope Hillsong goes the way of. Um, well, I'm not going to mention any any churches because I'm, I'm not fully confident that they're all going in the right direction now. But some of these churches that have lost their celebrity leader, yeah, uh, for whatever reason, I think have gone in a more healthy direction. Some a, of a them, lot of the former Mars Hill churches have. Yeah, they've gone. In, yeah, they've gone in a much healthier direction. And I did watch um, a portion of the service 
that took place at Hillsong, Australia, after the announcement was made that Brian Houston had resigned. Mm-hmm. And the guy that got up there and did the majority of the talking. Um, Is it, it the guy was, with the hair? The guy with the hair. Yeah. I felt like, again, I didn't listen to all that he said, but I felt like I sensed genuine humility and brokenness and sorrow and grief, uh, lament mm-hmm. over what has happened. Now, what direct, if he, I don't know if he's the one that's going to take the reins. I think he is. I don't know what direction he's going to go with it. Mm-hmm. My prayer would be that they do get in one sense just get really grounded and rooted in the scripture uh quit quit flirting around with nar and all these other things quit focusing so much on how many campuses and where they are and how big they are and just make disciples man i hope they go that direction there we go let's do a quick inquisition This is the Inquisition. You submit questions to us. We answer them on the fly. It's in the podcast group. We're crunch for time. Let's get to it. As is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, who asks, which is the better decision, choosing a church based solely on the music or choosing a guitar based solely on the color? What is Brian Morris? He sits down and thinks these things up. I'm like, I I thought, okay, this is going to be good. What's better? Pick a church based on music or based on the teaching. I actually had a conversation with somebody about that on Sunday, but regardless. Yeah, and I, I was part of that. You were part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and always go with the teaching first. Always right? go with the teaching. As far as... Uh, <laughs> I got to say, the better the better decision that. is to choose a guitar based on the color. Okay. Because you can always modify the guitar... <laughs> Right. That. You can go yank out the pickups. You can replace the hardware. Doing that with a church that you're coming into, one, is a lot harder. Mm. Two, is probably not your place anyway. I love it. So, well uh, Brad Speed, how do we differentiate? How do we best differentiate? Different Differentiate. There's no Novocaine, I promise. <laughs> Between, I feel like God wants me to do X and I want to do X for God. I feel like a lot of people often say the mm. first statement, I feel like God wants me to do X, when in reality, it would be more accurate to say the second, I want to do X for God, but they frame it as the first to give it more power. Whoa. That's a great question. Yeah, it is. That is a great question. And I think that... Um, where is it in First John? Um, where he talks about um, if we ask anything according to His will, He will do it. Um, I think I, th- I I could talk about this for another hour, but I'll say this much: I think that we need to do more praying for the sake of the question He's asking, which is a hugely important one. We need to do more praying and listening to what it is that God actually wants to do um, as opposed to asking him for things that we, we want. Yeah. Like my prayer life has really shifted. I know that sounds simple, but my prayer life has really shifted of late to more of God, would you, could you please, which is not wrong praying. I, I'm, I'm okay with that kind of praying. I think the Bible makes room for that mm-hmm. to Lord, what do you want to do about? Right. 
here's the thing. What do you want? Like, I, mm-hmm. I need instructions. I need guidance. I need you to show me in some way or another what it is that you want. Because Scripture doesn't cover uh, every permutation of circumstantially that we might face. So there are times where we do need real-time guidance and real-time instruction from the Lord as to what it is he wants, what he wants us to ask him for. Mm-hmm. If we believe that prayer, it, it, God not only intends the end, but also the means, then prayer is a part of that. Um, and prayer is a, a means by which God's intended ends come about, then we need to do a lot more listening in our praying. I'm reminded of the old Augustine line. All of his lines are old because he's been dead a long time. Uh where he said, if you're facing a decision and and you're legitimately walking with God and you're praying about things, then pray about it, do whatever you want. <laughs> because he will guide you. It, it's not a flippant, yeah, do whatever you want, but you know, make the decision and go for it, right? Um, obviously relying on God with all of those things. And I'm I'm also reminded of Kevin DeYoung's just do something, a liberating approach to finding God's will. Mm. Uh, which which is a lot of what you just spoke about. Right. Uh, we don't we don't have to say, hey God, can you uh, dictate to me exactly the things you want me to say to this person, uh, or can you dictate to me exactly which thing I need to do with this, like mm. college or marrying someone or whatever? It's right. are you being led by the Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Then do whatever you want, <laughs> right? You know, there's there's that sounds more flippant than it but is. But. D- here's what I would say. Do whatever you want and prayerfully pay attention yeah. to the real-time leadership of the Spirit. I, I think of this. I'll read this real quick. Acts 16, starting in verse 6. And they, talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy, they went through the region of Phygeria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's interesting. Yeah. Like it was like somehow or another the spirit don't spread the gospel there prevented them and then verse seven when they come up to Mysia they attempted to go into Bithynia but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them that almost sounds like an obstacle got in their way Mm -hmm. then verse nine or verse eight so passing passing by Mysia they went down to Troas and a vision in a vision there appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia who was standing there urging him saying come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, listen to this, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. Yeah, yeah, It's almost like they added it all up, prevented here, obstacle there, vision, Macedonia. Oh, this makes sense then. They added it all up. So I think that's why I would say do what you want, but prayerfully pay attention to how the Lord is leading you as you walk it out. Good stuff. Well, that wraps it up for this week. You have a meeting. I got to pee. Go love et cetera, God. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Go love God, love your neighbor. Makes musical. We'll see you next week.